Have you ever looked at any of the great works of art depicting the coming of the kingdom of God? All you have to do is Google coming of the kingdom of God. And then up there at the top, it'll say images. Click images and then let her go. You'll see so many, many artists' depictions of that coming kingdom. And you'll notice that most of them are pictured as what we call in theology apocalyptic events with imagery taken from the book of Revelation. In them you will find armies of angels with swords and armor, choirs and trumpets, vast crowds, some adoring and happy, others dejected and sad. In the middle will be a cloud tinged with gold, a throne glowing in the sunlight, and on the majestic throne, an aloof, an aloof, will be God, king of the universe and judge of all humankind. They are pictures to stir the heart with pride and, and confidence if you are on the right side of God's judgment. But if you're not, you join the dejected and sad group heading off with the angels of darkness to eternal fire and damnation. In fact, these images are borrowed from the city kingdoms of the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance periods in Europe. God is presented as king, presiding over his court, rewarding his friends, and punishing his enemies. He rules with absolute power, supported by his army, and backed with gold and awesome wealth. God is sovereign, supreme, answerable to no one. Most of us get our image of God, heaven, and the kingdom of God from these images and descriptions of what are called the last days. They are comforting when we consider ourselves on the good side. And despite our sins and guilt, most of us, most of us do imagine ourselves as at least trying to be good. We therefore await the coming of the kingdom of God with confidence that we will be secure and happy under the protection of the Almighty King, while our enemies, those that we're sure are on the wrong side, you know them, you keep a list, I'm sure, they will be vanquished and destroyed. It is a pleasing image, except for one thing. It is almost impossible to reconcile it with the kingdom of God that was spoken of by Jesus in his earthly ministry. We look at today's gospel. The king we meet in the gospel hangs on a cross, bloodied, broken, dying. There is nothing majestic or glorious about this king no power, 
no wealth. Nothing has saved him from what he now suffers. If this is Christ the King, then we might be justified in asking what kind of kingdom does he offer us? Equally shocking is the fact that the first person he brings into his kingdom, brings him with himself into the kingdom, is a convicted and condemned criminal. How do you like those apples? Notice, this man is not accused of crimes against Rome. No, we are told explicitly that he deserves his fate because he is guilty as charged. He is a common thief. Is this the kingdom of God? Is this who will populate the kingdom of God? Convicted felons? Why, when we do celebrate the great feast of Christ the King with the gospel of Jesus on the cross, why? Being jeered at by the Jewish leaders, mocked by the Roman soldiers, and abused by one of the criminals crucified with him. Would it not be so much nicer to choose a different text? Come on, Mother Church. Find something different. Maybe we could use the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where the crowds threw branches at his feet and proclaimed him the Messiah. This might be nicer for us, but it would not be accurate or reflect the kingdom that Jesus spoke of. From the time Jesus began his earthly ministry with the message that the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is near, Jesus was absolutely clear that the kingdom of God he talked about was nothing, nothing like what we were expecting. You see, they expected a king to come with the power to free them from their Roman oppressors. Instead, they got a man executed by the Romans and ridiculed with an inscription over the top, King of the Jews. It was written on his cross of humiliation. They expected a king who would punish and condemn their enemies. Instead, well, they got a man whose dying words were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They expected a king who would honor and respect them above others because of their history and traditions. Instead, well, they got a man who promised first place in his kingdom to a condemned and guilty criminal who simply said this word, sorry. Celebrating Christ the King with a gospel depicting Jesus dying on his cross is not a poor or unfortunate choice to make. No, rather it is the ideal choice to make because it brings into sharp focus the reality of the kingdom that Jesus offers us. 
the kingdoms of power, greed, and wealth, lies become truth simply by repeating them over and over again. The kingdoms of power, greed, and wealth, the word sorry indicates weakness and must never be said. When was the last time you heard a politician Somebody in power, somebody in authority say, oops, sorry, I can't remember it. In the kingdoms of power and greed and wealth, generosity exposes vulnerability, which can be exploited to increase our own gain. In the kingdoms of power and greed and wealth, fear is a friend to be promoted because it sows seeds of doubt and it creates anxiety among the people. Power, greed, wealth are the virtues of our worldly kingdoms. Our worldly kingdoms. Ambition Indifference and cruelty are the tools of success. We are all, and known to ourselves, part of the kingdoms of power, greed, wealth, ambition, fear, indifference, and lies. These kingdoms surround us. Now they entice us. They attract us. We are told they are good, and they are positive, and they are valuable. And then, seemingly from nowhere, into these kingdoms of power, greed, and wealth walks a man more at home in small towns and villages rather than the cities. Let me say it another way. Jesus would have been much more comfortable in flyover country. That's what the people on the East Coast and the West Coast call the middle America. Jesus would have been comfortable in small town America. I don't think he would have been as comfortable in Washington or New York or San Francisco or L.A. Could anything good ever come out of Joplin, Missouri? Well, they ask, could anything good come out of Nazareth? Could anything good come out of a rinky-dink town on old Highway 6 called Joplin, Missouri? Hmm. He was a man not afraid to be different, not afraid to be seen with unpopular people or outcasts. A man who finds joy in giving and peace in forgiving. He offers a kingdom so utterly different as to seem, well, impossible. Why then should we be surprised to find that in this kingdom of God, victory, victory can be found on a cross 
An entry requires no ticket of worthiness except your own ability, your own quiet way of saying sorry. We must be careful of seeing works of art as the windows into God's kingdom. Frequently, they depict our kingdom as God's kingdom. We must also reject those who seek to sell us, to sell us a kingdom where power, greed, and wealth bring happiness and contentment. They might seem to do so, but they are false. God's kingdom hangs with Jesus on his cross and rises with him at the empty tomb in his resurrection. Christ is king of both. Christ on his cross is just as much a king as Christ's coming in glory from the tomb. You see, there is something uniquely wonderful in finding Christ the King on the cross. Like we do today. People out there, well, they think we're completely nuts. And if you go home, you sit around the Thanksgiving dinner table, and you try to explain that to the folks who have no countenance with us, they're just going to look at you and go, what are you talking about? A kingdom and a king on a cross. Something wonderful yet surprising. Something wonderful and comforting and peaceful. And in the end, so very much the God we meet in the Gospels as he gave himself to us in Jesus Christ. Amen.